Welcome to A Walk in My Stilettos, where our goal is to help you walk in your greatness. I'm your host, McKinney Smith. Hey, Faith Walkers. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of the A Walk in My Stilettos podcast, where we have conversations with amazing women that are letting us step into their shoes. I get inspired when I see another woman succeeding, but as a mindset coach, what interests me more is her backstory and her mindset on how she got there. So today's guest is about to bless us with her testimony. And since you're already here, you may as well subscribe. Today we have Emily Mills. She's a mother, a wife, an award-winning founder of How She Hustles, one of Toronto's leading networks that connects diverse women through social media and special events. She's a journalist that created Her Story in Black, a digital photo series profiling 150 inspiring Black women that became a one-hour TV documentary on CBC. Emily has hosted a Women's Roundtable with Canada's Prime Minister. She was listed on Women's Executive Network's Top 100 of Canada's Most Powerful Women. And her latest project, Startup and Slay, a digital video series profiling six Canadian startups by diverse women entrepreneurs. And Emily has also delivered talks for Twitter Canada to United Nations Association in Canada. And making an impact matters more to Emily than making headlines. So please welcome to the show, Emily Mills. Uh, thank you so much, McKinney. This is so amazing. Like what a boss <laughs> podcast collection that you've put together. And it is really humbling to count myself amongst the women that you have chosen to speak with. Thank you so much for agreeing to say yes. I'm very particular about the women that I want to come on the show. And that is because there are so many women out here. You know, we have all these different titles and accolades, and I believe that's great, but I want women that are open to sharing the backstory, women that are not afraid to show the other side of entrepreneurship, not just their highlight reel. So you've always been very transparent and authentic to me, and I wanted to make sure that I could highlight that and to share your story with the women that are listening on my platform. So thank you, Emily, for saying yes. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. And, you know, so often, you know, I think we put so much energy into producing content and having a brand online, but it's actually quite cathartic, very mm-hmm. therapeutic to be able to share what happens beyond the brand online. Um, mm-hmm. I think we need to have these conversations more often. So I appreciate the opportunity to just be like, okay, what's the real story? Because sometimes <laughs> exactly. people don't ask. Exactly. People see the highlight reel and create their own narrative and their own story of what's happening with your life. And when I did the anniversary episode, I shared my backstory of what I've been dealing with this year and how the importance of putting out these podcasts has been so therapeutic to my journey because I was healing from what was supposed to be a six week recovery of, of surgery and ended up being six months of complications. But Having these conversations with you women has inspired me, has kept me going, and being able to focus on putting out your stories has given me the inspiration to even want to get back up after everything that I've been through this year. So thank you again for pointing that out. Yeah, well, I I look forward to taking the podcast with me. Trust me, I looked at those episodes, (laughs) I was like, oh, I've got like two years worth of content to listen to. So yeah, (laughs) glad to contribute to it. (laughs) Thank you. So I love to start the show with an icebreaker question because, like I just said, as women, we have all these different titles. And I feel like a title that doesn't get enough recognition is our name because our names have meaning. And every time someone says your name, they're basically declaring what that meaning is. They're affirming that. 
So my first question to you, Emily, is do you know what your name means? Ha, you see, I did my homework, the journalist in me. <laughs> I listened to your podcast with Tracy Moore and I had a feeling this question was gonna come. And so I do know what my name means. Uh, it's such a sweet memory, actually. When I was younger, like I've always been, you know, a self-starter. I think, you know, now as a mom of two little boys, uh, they're five and six, I can now see that when kids are born, there is just an essence and an energy to them. And I think, of course, there's so much nurturing and shaping and mentoring and supporting you can do. But as a mom of two kids, I know they were born a certain way. It's so funny because when you're asking me about my name, I realized now that I was born a certain way and that the nature of hustling, I think was something that I just, that was me. <laughs> and so um, all that to say, I looked back through a whole bunch of papers that I had kind of, I have a little chest of things that I treasure, pictures, letters and stuff from when I was a kid. And I actually have a little paper plaque. I remember my mom got it from a, one of those kiosks in like some ghetto mall and it has my name on it. And I remember she gave it to me. I think it was my grade six or grade eight graduation. And it says, Emily, and I'll just quickly give you a little highlight of one of the things it says. And I was like, wow, she nailed it. It said, the industrious English, hardworking and astute, no job is too large and never left undone, striving for the betterment of all, meticulous attention to details. She gives her all a positive thinking woman who stays up-tempo and active at all times. I'm like, wow. wow. And it's so funny because I haven't looked at this in probably 10 years and your podcast made me go look for it. So wow. I do know what my name looks like. And it's like literally in some crumpled up kind of yellowing piece of plastic hole punched paper. <laughs> but this really is, I think, the essence of who I am. And I'm, I'm grateful that... I didn't create myself this way. This is how I was created. And so um, I guess with whatever I've got, my goal is to take whatever gifts God has given me and try and do my best with them. I love it. I know when I Googled your name and the Latin version of it was like striving and eager. And I was like, holy Emily, <laughs> like you're the founder of How She Hustles. Yeah. That, your name is perfect. Every single time somebody says your name, they're declaring what it is that you're doing right now. So Tell us, what did you want to be when you were a little girl? I wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to be an entertainment lawyer. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I've always been a little, you know, I've always loved to communicate. And I've always loved the arts. And I guess I've always had a point of view. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, when I, I remember in grade six, I really wanted to be a lawyer. And I remember interviewing a bunch of lawyers and uh, judges, actually at the time. And, um, you know, like many little girls, I you know went to ballet lessons, God bless my parents, um, and piano lessons and um, continued on with music throughout high school. Um, and while I didn't end up as an entertainment lawyer, I did go to university for music at first, shout out to York University, mm -hmm. um, and then ended up being a music journalist, a freelancer to support myself. Um, and so got paid to travel and write about music and things that mattered and started my own blog and then didn't end up going to law school, but ended up going back for journalism um, at Ryerson. Shout out to Ryerson. Mm -hmm. a bit of PR. So I didn't end up as an entertainment lawyer, but I feel like 
having the opportunity to seriously work in the entertainment industry and sit down with some of the most incredible artists of our time was definitely not a subpar substitute. Like to, to look back on it and think, my God, in my lifetime, I have had the chance to sit down and have one-on-one, -on -one, just me and them in a room, conversations with Mary J. Blige, Jill Scott, John B. And even thinks of some of the classics, like, oh my gosh, Jagged Edge, like just, you know, I'm an R&B junkie. And then I'll, can't, of course, can't forget our Canadians. You know, I love people like, you know, Julie Black and Cardi and um, Director X. So, you know, didn't end up ending, ending up being a lawyer, but I'd like to think that uh, somehow or other kind of landed where I was supposed to, still using the same interests and passions. So where did How She Hustles begin then? Like, take us back to what inspired you to start How She Hustles. It wasn't planned. And I, I can only imagine so many women listening and contributing to this podcast have had the same experience. At the time, this is back in 2010, um, I can't believe it's been almost a decade. I was, um, wasn't married, didn't have any kids. I was working behind the scenes in communications for a nonprofit and had family responsibilities and volunteering in the community and was just trying to figure myself out and kind of find my way, find my tribe, find my community, be confident in my voice. And I was going to all these events around leadership and empowerment and diversity and inclusion, partially because of my job, but also because I was looking again for that space where I felt reflected and connected. And I just found when I walked into spaces that had more senior leaders or where the conversations were more about leadership or business, I just didn't see myself. Mm -hmm. I barely saw any young black women um, and barely saw other women of color of my age group who love to be on social media, who weren't corporately connected. Um, and so, you know, I was working on a bunch of projects at the time, burning the candle at both ends, like many of us do. And so one night I posted a reflection on Facebook and just said, you know, I am grinding at this work. I feel like I'm barely sleeping. I'm just trying to manage it all. You know, I know there are so many of you who are doing the same thing. I joked that I should start a blog called How She Hustles. And people started, this was like four o'clock in the morning, I remember. And people started inboxing me. And they're like, I'm up to, I'm working on this project. I'm working on that project. And so it just kind of organically turned into a conversation about a meetup. Like, let's just meet. You tell me what you're working on. I'll tell you what I'm working on. Maybe we can support each other. What can we learn from each other? And that gave birth to our very first How She Hustles event. It was a brunch. We took over two floors of a restaurant on the Danforth. How She Hustles is not just for Black women. So um, it's actually the picture on my website. If you go to howshehustles.com, uh, you should see it at some point um, or on my socials. But it's a beautiful picture of women from a bunch of different walks of life. And um, we just met and broke bread and cried and laughed and shared and, and found each other on social. And then when people saw the pictures, they were like, when's the next one? And I was like, I didn't really plan on it. 
it wasn't planned, but that's how some of the best things happen. And so, you know, since then we've just gone on and on and on and on. And I, you know, we're, we're 20 events in 20 sold out events. And we went from 50 people at our first event to our largest event with 400 people, CEOs. We have consul, had consul generals. We've had um, federal politicians. We've had Juno award-winning artists. We've had people traveling from Paris, from Barbados, from Atlanta, like we've literally had people from all over the place following this journey and trying to arrange their schedules to come and join us at How She Hustles so that we could talk about what it's like to try and lead in the corporate world or what it's like to try and set up your own empire or what it's like to balance all the different aspects of your life while being you. And my, I'm unapologetically focused on what I call diverse women women from different backgrounds. Again, not necessarily just black women, because I think that there are a lot of South Asian women, a lot of indigenous women, even within the black community. If you look at African women's experiences and all the different countries and identities and journeys versus many women from the Caribbean. And again, there's many different identities, journeys, you know, and experiences. There's a lot of ground to cover. So my hope with How She Hustles in a nutshell is that it becomes the premier space for diverse women to be the norm, not the exception, to share and to learn and inspire each other. And that's the point of events that we do. And going forward, I'm focusing more on bringing that experience online. I can tell you that I love that for so many reasons. I literally have goosebumps right now because you were in rooms and you didn't see yourself. You didn't see other women of color. And I found that to be my experience since I became an entrepreneur 10 years ago in real estate where I was going to conferences and going into certain rooms and I could count on one hand the amount of people of color in -hmm. those rooms. And when I started doing coaching and especially walking into a room of 150 coaches that have invested five, some six figures to Mm -hmm. be a part of that circle. And I could literally tell you, I, I was either the only black woman in the room or one of two each time. And this week I went to the Archangel Summit for, you know, other thought leaders and coaches and so on, where they can go and be inspired. And I thought that, okay, this would at least be a diverse group of people. You know, Lisa Nichols was speaking. I was so excited to see her. And it was thousands of people and literally less than 10 I could count of people of color. You creating a space like that, I like I said, I love it for so many different (laughs) reasons. (laughs) Well, thank you. And you know, and I have to shout out to, you know, uh, when we started, and I say we often, because while I'm the founder of How She Hustles, this has taken blood, sweat, tears, prayers, talent, Uh, creativity, just commitment from so many people to get us to this point where now I can say, I have this award or I've met this, you know, met this prime minister or whatever. It's not about me. It's about we. It's Mm -hmm. all of those women who believe that this space was possible, who believe this space was needed. It was about women who looked like me, who were passionate about this work. But trust me, there are many women who look nothing like me, who have had no experience like mine, who are in the trenches with me and believe in this work and have been there since day 
one. You know, I know that while there are many supporters and there's still a lot of work to be done. And when we started 10 years ago, there weren't a whole bunch of networks in Toronto doing this work. I'm so thrilled that more and more have emerged and created their own pathways to success and have their own identities. I don't take credit for it, for what they've done. I mean, I would like to say, I know that How She Hustles certainly was one of the first out of the gate, at least in terms of our time and the way that we've done it. And I'd like to think that we've really been a champion of those who are also doing incredible work. There's room for all of us to succeed and to be seen. And we all have some things in a way that we have in common in terms of being champions and spaces for women. But I also think we have our own lanes and ways that we can go about it. And as you said, there's there's still to this day in Canada, in, in the US and elsewhere, spaces where women of color walk in and it's like, wow, I can't believe this is my reality. And so that tells me, even though sometimes it may seem like, oh no, there's a whole bunch of groups like that. There's a lot of work to be done. Definitely. But what what I appreciate about what you do with How She Hustles, like I remember seeing online beginning when you started doing the events. I was like, wow, that looks like such a powerful group of women. Like one day, I, you know, I was hoping and praying to be able to sit in a room and to be in that picture with you and those other women. But you have done such an amazing job and you have such a heart for inclusion that for the past how many years, you know, I've been in that room and a part of all of the How She Hustles events where you helped me to even feel like I'm included in that. I'm a part of that. I can be a part of that. And that brings me to my next question, because I want to know what inspired the Her Story 150 Black Women, because I remember not just your email inviting me to be a part of that, but coming and experiencing it and then even seeing what it turned into. For me, I can't thank you enough for that, because sometimes as an entrepreneur, like you said, you know, you're in your own lane, you're doing your own thing, and it can often feel like a lonely space. And sometimes I feel like nobody's paying attention to what I'm doing, but I'm still doing it anyway, because I'm trying to make an (laughs) impact. I'm not here to necessarily be seen. But you included me and you allowed me to feel like I was seen. So first of all, I want to thank you for that. But I want to know, like, what inspired that movement for the Her Story 150 Black Women? Thank you, Makini. And thank you for saying yes. You know, it goes back to the same. it, It was from the same birthed out of the same soil as how she hustles. It's just that feeling of, you know, if it doesn't exist, create it. You know, when you look around and you think, something's missing here. You know, so often we're looking around for somebody to fill the gap. But really, if you're the one who notices it, often that's a calling. You're the one who's got to fill it. It's your, it's meant for you. And so, um, you know, I was working at the time, you know, I'd left the nonprofit world. I was now working at uh, CBC, which is uh, one of the largest media companies in Canada and our public broadcaster. I was working behind the scenes in media communications and, Her Story in Black was born when Canada as a country was getting ready to celebrate uh, and mark our sesquicentennial. While I'm a very proud Canadian, um, it was also a very challenging time for our country as well as we were talking about reconciliation and Indigenous peoples and what does a celebration mean with that context in mind. As Canada was getting ready to mark 150 years of Confederation, CBC was the national public broadcaster and had the incredible responsibility and opportunity to 
tell a national story about where Canada was and where we were going. And so I knew that there was going to be a ton of content created for this special year. And I just wondered, where are the Black women? Nobody said they weren't going to be part of the story of Canada, but I wasn't ready to leave that to chance. I'm a self-starter by nature, and I believe that, you know, if you have an idea that won't let you sleep, there is a reason for it and you've got to do something with it. And so I kept thinking, okay, all these women that come to my events, many of them are black women. Maybe this is an opportunity for them to be seen and heard. And is there a way that I could tie their stories into the story of Canada? Because at the end of the day, there's no difference. Mm -hmm. Their story is our collective story. We are Canadians, right? Mm -hmm. we, we are the fabric of this country, just like anyone else. We don't always see it, but that's why I also felt like it was an opportunity for me to leverage my position as somebody who is a trained journalist and who knows how to tell stories and had access to use the power of media and storytelling to put us on the map. So I literally sat at my computer and was like, okay, this is what I want to call it. Her story in black. Sounds good. Went into Canva. I was like, yeah, let me play with some fonts some colors, literally designed it on my laptop in in my living room and just wrote a brief. This is what I want the concept to be. And I, I still remember it's on my Instagram feed. Once again, social media threw it out there. I had no budget. I had no team. I had no media sponsor. I had no venue. I didn't even have the 150 women. And I was like, this idea will not let me sleep. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do it. I have no idea how, but I'm going to do it. And so I didn't go out into the world like, I can do this. I'm a superwoman. I went out into the world with purpose, with humility, and with some vulnerability too. Like, hey guys, I don't really know what I'm doing, but I believe that I can do this. Will you help me? And I trust that if this is meant to happen, it will come to be. And that is exactly how the project began. Put it out there on social and I was overwhelmed. I, I couldn't manage. I didn't realize how huge the wave would be. And so I guess to make a long story short, we self-organized once, you know, I had all these people and, and I, I really just trusted my gut in terms of, you know, again, the journalist's, journalist's intuition of who I wanted to profile. And so I didn't want it to be the usual suspects. I didn't want it just to be the high profile, well-known headline making public figures who were seen as inspiring black women as part of this 150. I wanted it to be the women who also inspired and are impactful and are game changers, but maybe do so in a quiet way. And so that meant that we had a range. We had DJs, tattoo artists, architects, engineers, chefs, teachers, social workers, makeup artists, fashion designers, spoken word artists, media personalities, a whole range of women. And we self-organized, self-funded, found our own team of young Black women to do everything from photos to videos. And we put this thing together. The final leg of the story is that, um, you know, so I was doing this completely through How She Hustles, completely through my own resources and with the support of women who actually invested their own money to get this project started, essentially a quiet crowdfund. And so when we got to the second photo shoot and, uh, you know, I believe, you know, that video that ended up on my YouTube channel of what the photo shoots felt like 
where women walked in and literally held hands and each sang a line of this little light of mine mm -hmm. with Julie Black, our award-winning, you know, Canada's queen of R&B leading us together as we linked arms in a circle, watching women walk in and weep, literally just weep at the sight of seeing that many other Black women there to be recognized and to know that they were worthy to be seen. Once that happened, I knew that I couldn't just tell the story myself. And at that point, that's when I went to my employer at the time, CBC, and I said, I've never done anything with how she hustles in CBC. I've always kept them separate, but this story is too powerful. This is bigger than me. This is bigger than even you. This is as big as Canada. And so I'm thrilled to say they immediately agreed. And so Her Story in Black became a one-hour TV documentary. You can still watch it online if you Google it. Um, it became a, an incredible celebration that you were at with these 400 women. People said it was like watching the Black Olympic team walk in. Just the energy was so high and it was like nothing that building had ever seen. We had stories on radio every day, stories on TV every day. There was a microsite that was built. It still exists today where you could click on the women and see their picture and read their story. Her Story in Black went on to win awards for journalism. They rolled it up into two other versions, one with women from across Canada, Black women, a similar concept, and one uh, a year later with high school students under the... So it became so much bigger. Women found new relationships and business partners and friendships and reunited. Women said that they got offered uh, opportunities at work to sit on boards. You know, people used, leveraged it to apply for awards and scholarships and funding. It just really created both a community, but also a doorway for opportunity. And none of that, none of that, none of that, none of that was because of me. It took a village. So many people poured into that project, and I would hope that it will forever stand the test of time, even if not on the mainstream media outlets, but in the hearts of all of the women who were touched. There's so many points in the story that you just told where I had to try not to get emotional because from start to finish, there's so many lessons in there because you had an idea, you saw something, you saw a lack and you didn't want to leave it to chance. You had an idea and you in church, you know, we say faith without works is dead. You basically trusted and believed and you had this vision and without knowing how you took action. And instead of saying, I don't know how to do this or somebody should do this. You said, what can I do? And then you trusted your intuition and it created a movement that everybody wanted to be a part of, something bigger. But even when you were selecting the 150 women, your heart for inclusion, your heart to include the women who are out here making an impact that may not necessarily have as loud of a voice as those that were already being recognized. There are so many things within that, Emily, that just speaks to who you are as a person. And I have to say that I'm honored to even know you. And like I said, from day one of us connecting on social media, you have inspired me. And that whole Her Story project, like you said, it has opened doors for me personally. I was a part of the photo shoot. I was a part of the handholding and singing with Julie Black and all of that. I wasn't able to be at the actual event at CBC with the 400 women because I was in South Africa doing my book signing over there, but that opened doors because I was a part of this campaign. Yeah, amazing. Thank you. And you know, you, you mentioned, you know, a lot of people don't know 
really my story, I guess. So I'm glad that I have a chance to share a little bit, but you know, my grandfather, my grandfather was a pastor and he passed away last year. I am so grateful for everything that he left with us. And I feel like as I am growing as a person, I'm just beginning to understand the gifts that he has left for not only his kids, but his grandkids, a real legacy. And that legacy is one of faith. You know, I'm still definitely on a faith journey, but I can see how far I've come and being becoming an entrepreneur has been a real <laughs> catalyst for faith. Yeah. But all that to say, I know that when her story in Black really began, I feel like it was a deepening of my faith and it has just hasn't stopped since. It's just grown. And my grandfather used to always say, he was, I think it was Hebrews 11, um, verse 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. My grandfather used to always say that. You know, you got to believe, even if you cannot see it, you have to trust and believe. And so I feel like with everything that I am trying to do and have done, especially in the last few years, I've walked with that. And if that means I don't know what I'm doing with her story in black, but I'm going to trust. If that means I don't know what I'm doing with Startup and Slay, but I'm going to trust. If that means I don't know what's going to happen when I leave my job at CBC, which I did to try and become a full-time entrepreneur, which I am now, and yet still find a way to help support our family with my husband. I didn't have all the answers, but what I did have was faith. And at a certain point, I just had to lean on that. Does that mean that my faith didn't waver? Of course it did, but you know, it reminds me of all of those little words of encouragement that I've heard over the course of my life, you know, like the footprints in the sand. You know, or like walk through the sand and you see one one pair of feet on the shore. I and you think you're that. yeah, you think you're walking alone and it's like, nope, you're being carried. You better check your perspective. Yeah. So, I have that tattooed on my ankle. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So this whole journey um has definitely been one of faith. So what inspired you to walk away from CBC to become an entrepreneur? It just felt like time. I think we all know when it's time for something different, time to pursue your passion, time to do what you are called to do, mm -hmm. time to, to stop trying to be small, time to see that it's your assignment, time to see that time is of the essence, time to see that you are uniquely positioned for a particular role in this universe. And it doesn't matter how you try and duck it, hide it, delay it. If it's yours to take hold of, it's yours. And so I think there was a certain point where I just needed to do it. I just mm -hmm. needed to pursue how she hustles. And it didn't matter how much I tried to stay in the same place. All of the signs were telling me it's time to move. And I have the utmost respect for the role that I was in before and the company. I still have great friends at CBC and it is a, a moment in my life that I will forever be grateful for. I mean, as the child of two immigrants, you know, from the Caribbean to come and get a journalism degree, they're very, they're not a lot of black people working in media. Let's just be blunt in Canada, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, 
let alone working on the communication side at mainstream media. And so once I was there, I felt an incredible sense of responsibility that so few of us are in there. I didn't want to think lightly about leaving. Mm -hmm. At the same time, I knew that I could really make an impact on the outside. There are so many people who don't understand how media works and the power of storytelling and the power of digital storytelling, you know, and I just thought, you know what, I need to leverage my knowledge, whatever I've got, and my passion for creating space for diverse women. And the only way I can really give it my all is if I'm an entrepreneur and I have the flexibility and freedom to do it. And I'll tell you, Makini, um, you know, I struggled with this decision. I was thinking about it for quite a long time. And that wasn't a secret, so I'm comfortable telling, saying that, you know, um, I was very transparent that I was really thinking about what's next and my spirit was conflicted. And I had many nights and many prayers with women, some who have been on your podcast, so I have to shout them out, and some who haven't, who walked me through it, who heard me cry through tears, who prayed me through things, who counseled me and who just heard my cry to follow my purpose. And um, I remember when I finally was like, I'm tired of being undecided. Mm -hmm. And so the best decision I could make was, I'm gonna make the decision so that I don't have any regrets. And for me, even if I had become a full-time entrepreneur and by like three months, I was like, I'm broke, I've given up, I need to go back to the workplace. At least I would have tried. Right. What would I rather? staying in a place and always wondering what if, or trying, quote unquote, failing, but learning something through the process. And so I knew what I was comfortable with. And when I finally made that decision, I was so at peace. I remember posting a picture of me going to work on my last day of work, and I was I was beaming from my tonsils. Like I was so happy. And not because I was unhappy and ungrateful with where I'd been, but because I could see where I knew I was going, not in terms of where I was going to land in terms of my career, but I knew I was going forward. And I didn't know what the destination was, what the roadmap was. I didn't have a GPS, but I felt like I'm not resisting what is meant. And so as a quick little anecdote, when I, I literally on my last day of work. My plan was to sit and figure out my business plan for the next three months, take a little time, come down, you know, from us, you know, a work working in media can be really demanding. I left work on the Friday and no word of a lie by Monday morning, I was walking into the front doors of Parliament Hill in to meet the chief of staff for Canada's prime minister who said, I've heard about this how she hustles thing and this her story in black. I'd like you to come into my office for an hour and literally sat down and explained to the most politically powerful office in the entire country of over, I think it's 38 million people, what I had been doing in the little corner of the world with this community called How She Hustles. And I just remember thinking, boy, God, you really know how to show people when they've listened that you have directed them in the right way. Wow. I remember having lunch with you right before you went into the meeting to let them know that yeah. you were leaving. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> I remember it, that lunch. 
That was an interesting lunch. But I remember thinking to myself, because you have such a genuine heart for what you do and such a genuine spirit about inclusion and serving and helping others and making a difference, that I wasn't concerned with what came next for you. I knew that you would genuinely attract what it was that was meant for you because you were already walking in your purpose, even though you had your nine to five. So I had no doubt in my spirit that greatness would come from it. I want you to get into, you know, telling us about Startup and Slay. Thank you for being there. And as I said, you know, I didn't get here alone. There's so many women who have poured in. Um, so before I speak about Startup and Slay, I really want to just mention that because that's really important to me. You know, so often what I'm asked is, how do you run a network or a community of women because women often seem to be unkind to each other, not get along, et cetera, et cetera. And I certainly have had my seasons. So I can sincerely say that my overwhelming experience has been very, very positive, that all of the cat fighting and all of the backbiting, and that hasn't been my journey. And I hope that as you say, what you put out is what you get back. And I know that the universe doesn't always work that way, but I really want to continue to put that energy out there that we don't have to be besties for me to cheer for you. We don't have to be business partners for me to big up your stuff. We don't have to know each other personally for me to respect you. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, to all of those women out there, I mean, I can't do everything for everyone. There are some times where I just don't get to everything or there may be things happening that you don't know about and it's just not the right time. But I have a heart for sharing and supporting other women. And that's sincere. That's not just a cosmetic thing. Mm -hmm. There are many things I'm proud to do without any fanfare. And I give thanks for those women who do the same. I wouldn't be here without it. So on to start up and slay very quickly. The whole point of that project, again, similar, birthed out of the same soil as How She Hustles, birthed out of the same soil as, as her story in Black. When I transitioned and became a full-time entrepreneur, I will never forget going to my first angel investing event. And I was like, okay, I better learn about this money now. Mm -hmm. And so I went to an event. It was in a very strategic location. You ever go to a place and it's like God takes you right back to the same place, like the exact same place just to show you like this is how far you've grown. So you're like, this is meant to show you a reflection of where you were and where you're going. I walked into the room and I remember there was one black girl who walked out because she had someplace else to go. But otherwise, there were about 100 people in the room and there was not one black person who was a guest except me. And wow. I remember looking around and the only other black people I saw and I couldn't make this stuff up. One was making coffee and the other was sweeping the floor. And I just remember locking eyes with them as someone came over and started a conversation about their vacation to Jamaica. I just thought after, after I was asked, so how did you get here? And I mm. was like, uh, I bought a ticket like everybody else. But anyway, um, it was one of those experiences where I thought the conversation was great. The content was great. But what was lacking for me was a sense of reflection and a sense of community that I could relate to. I wanted to learn, but also wanted to belong. And so Startup and Slay is specifically around creating space events and also creating now digital content for diverse women entrepreneurs so that 
for those women who are looking to start a business. This is not people who are already way down, you know, the VC road and already are making, you know, raising millions. That's not who this is for. This is for people who are trying to figure out how do I start? How do I scale? How do I sustain my family? How do I get some staff? How do I make sure that this can slowly be built into a legacy? What are all the pieces that I need? What are all the resources available to me? Where do I find my tribe? How do I tell my story so that I can be seen as an entrepreneur who has something of value to tell too? I am a CEO as well. That's what Startup and Slay is about. So this year, um, we decided to create a digital video series because we wanted to reach more women to make the content evergreen and available um, and accessible. And so we, once again, put the intention out there and wow, we were able to deliver with divine intervention and incredible sponsors like CIBC, Futurepreneur and Ryerson University and a small army of women, shout out to the team. And so we, what we ended up doing was putting a call out and saying, if you've got a business, a small business, and you've got a startup story, if you can tell us how you've grown, especially in the last you know, year or two, anywhere across Canada, we want to hear from you. And we're, we'll try and tell your story. And we have one of Canada's largest banks behind us, one of the most innovative universities in the country behind us, and a national nonprofit that supports entrepreneurs behind us. I never would have imagined when I left my role and became my own boss, that I would be able to say, I cannot believe that I can walk into a boardroom with my heart on my sleeve and passion in my spirit and say, this is my vision. And if you believe in it, here's how much money I need to make it possible. I wanna hire the team that I believe in. I wanna mentor the young women who I know have a long future in this industry. And we are gonna showcase this for the entire country to see, but that's exactly what's happening. You know, when you speak to, you went in with a vision. When I'm dealing with my clients, that is one thing that I get them to do first because they don't realize that that's what is required. You know, in the church, we talk about, you have to see it in the spiritual before you can see it in the natural. It's the same thing in real life. You have to have a vision, a clear vision of what it is that you want in order for it to happen. If you don't have a vision, how can you expect anything to happen? And you have to be able to work towards that vision. But because your vision was so clear, it was specific, and you went in with your ask, with all of your details, that is why you were able to manifest it into what it is today. And that is a major part of the whole mindset stuff that I teach. And I love it. You, I don't even think you realize what you, what you do or what you're doing. Like You're what we call unconscious competent. Like You don't even realize <laughs> you're applying <laughs> all of the principles. <laughs> Well, I've never had a mindset coach. I wish I would. There are other (laughs) things I wish I had coaching on, you know, like, and I guess, you know, I'm sure we got like probably like two minutes left, but I would just say, (laughs) you know, one of the things that I'm, while I know and I've accepted that I generally do have very strong visions for what I want and for, for what, not even just what I want, what is desired for me to help facilitate. Like this isn't coming from me. Let me just make sure that I'm very clear on that. The things that have happened in my life in the last two years, I couldn't have orchestrated with the best mastermind group, with the best comms plan. I cannot design what has happened in my life. You know, being invited to meet Michelle Obama, Mm -hmm. um, being in a video that I didn't even know was coming. Mercedes Benz did a video. All I did was talk. That thing ended up going viral and being viewed a million times by me just speaking truth. 
-hmm. It's not like I walked into that studio saying, this is what I want to do. You know, having an opportunity to speak to people, having a, a scholarship that, to be honest with you, I created 20 years ago at my high school and I found an incredible, generous woman with her husband who have been funding this award for 20 years. I had this young man find me on LinkedIn to say, I was one of your scholarship recipients years ago. You don't even know who I am, but I want to tell you how much you changed my life. And he wrote this whole blog post about coming from another country as a refugee and how this little scholarship meant more to him than his $45,000 master's degree in IT. So I know that while there are certain things that I feel very strongly about, and there are visions that I am doing my best to honor, I'm very clear that this is not the life that I designed. It's much bigger than me. And so as I do this work, I try and always be very passionate and very clear and strong of mind, but always very humble to understand that it didn't begin with me. It started long before me. And if I do what I'm supposed to do, the impact of the work is what will last long after me. I want to thank my hubby and my kids. I have to get that in there because <laughs> we didn't even get to talk about that. What it's like to try and make this hustle work while mm -hmm. being married to a husband who has his own career and his own life and own aspirations and two little boys. I mean, my kids are five and six and mom is often traveling on the phone, on the internet. And yet I give thanks for them mm -hmm. for all that they do. And my friends. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you for that. We needed to hear that because I know that sometimes people will listen to a story like yours and say, well, you know, I've, I've got to deal with my husband and I've got to deal with my kids and I've got it, but you're doing it all and you are grateful and you are humble and it's not coming from an ego place. And you are definitely, it's evident you are tapped into a divine power. And I believe that all the blessings that are coming to you, you deserve them all. Oh, thank you, Makini. And thank you for, honestly, for doing what you do. Um, I think so many of us need to tell our stories because there are certain things that I know I am meant to share with other people, but there are also so many things that I still need to learn about this journey and how to gracefully and with humility and with passion and with skill um, continue to navigate this world. So I look forward to taking in more of your podcasts so that I can be poured into by all the women who have been so generous with their stories. Thank you. Thank you. I feel like it's been like a group coaching session for me. It's like therapy <laughs> because I'm listening to all of your stories and all of you are inspiring me and helping me heal from the things that I need help with and the things that I'm in a position where I wish I could afford a therapist for because... <laughs> <laughs> But yeah. listening to all of your stories, it's, it's free therapy. So all you ladies who are listening to the podcast, I'm not saying you don't need your therapist, but these conversations are so therapeutic to me. And I think the blessing for me is I get to listen to it multiple times. Right. But I, before we even end this conversation, something that's very important to me that I want people to get from, because you know, you're sharing all these things that you're doing. And I can't even imagine behind the scenes what adversities you've had to experience to get to where you are. So I, I need to make sure, <laughs> I need to make sure, I don't care if this episode has to be a little bit longer. I need to make sure that you get to at least speak to at least one of those. Can you speak to that, to the adversities? 
Boy, McKinney, why you got to leave the tough question to the end? Come on. Um, <laughs> I'll um, lighten it up with a soft question after that. Don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> okay, I'll give two. Personally, there's many things I could say, but I would say the hardest part for me over the last year, especially, has been missing my kids. It's been really difficult. And I don't want to say everybody, you know, loves their children and misses them, but I guess I really want to hone in on that because I think as the mother of two black boys, my husband's Nigerian, my mom's from Jamaica, my dad's from Antigua. I was born here in Canada. And I am raising two beautiful little Black boys in a community where there are not lots of little Black boys. Mm. And not lots of little Black boys who have moms and dads like us, who in many ways have our own privilege that we have to recognize. Like I even see, even within my own nuclear family, I was born and raised in Toronto. I don't have an immigrant experience. Mm -hmm. For all intents and purposes, I have a very white name. I went to schools with some of the best and brightest and most privileged kids um, from upper class neighborhoods. I speak English as my only language. I've had the opportunity to meet multiple prime ministers in my lifetime. I've had the opportunity to understand one of the most powerful influential structures that our society has, which is media. Add all of those things together, it has opened a lot of doors for me. But what has made it difficult in many ways is understanding that all of those doors may not be open to my children. I hope that they will be, but I know that it doesn't matter what awards I have, which global leaders I meet, or how much sponsorship or revenue I generate. At the end of the day, I know there's gonna be a time that my boys are gonna be stopped on the street. There has already been experiences. We had our first blatantly racist experience when my son was three in a playground. Wow. I can't protect them from everything. Success doesn't protect you from the nastiness of the world. And so I would say personally, that's been one of the hardest things is to try and push and hustle and grow and sacrifice to build how she hustles, but also understand that I have a very, very important role as a woman in this family. And that protecting, providing, being present, supporting, uplifting, empowering, and understanding my son's and my husband is a really important job and I don't always get it right. So I would say that's been very difficult to in some ways be very visible um, and have a voice over things that matter, but also know that there are some things that are invisible adversities that I can never speak of. And I have to be very mindful of when I use my voice and that can be really difficult. So sometimes it's just, I literally just miss my kids and I miss milestones like birthday parties, you know, or just being present. Like I miss, you know, I've missed so many parties this year. I've missed bedtimes this year. At the same time, I also know that sometimes I'm here, but I haven't been able to really grapple, you know, solve all the things that I want to solve that impacts them. And that's, mm. that's been hard. It's tough. So for all the women's empowerment work that I do, at the end of the day, my heart is still soft for these two little boys who I can only empower, protect, support to a certain extent. And that's a hard pill to swallow. I can totally 
relate as you say that. And as you were speaking about the experiences that your boys will have, my son is 13 and he's now coming into his own and being vocal about his personality and his decisions and and things like that. My son, I'm his mother, Black woman, and although I was born here in Canada, my parents are from Jamaica. His father, who was born in Canada, but his parents were born in Pakistan. My son, he's like on the fence where sometimes he's judged as the colored boy or the black boy. And then he's got times where he's labeled as the brown kid, the Muslim kid. Like there's so many different stereotypes and racists and things that he's going to have to deal with and experience that I may not be able to protect him from. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. The other adversity, not adversity, but I'd say the other maybe challenge that people don't always see is managing relationships is a lot of soul searching work. Mm-hmm. And I think when you lead a community of women, it can be a lot, you know, and it's a real blessing that people, I hope, see who I am, that I am sincere. I'm a Pisces, so I'm a very emotionally in tune and intense, I think, our sign. And um, that's sincerely who I am. You know, I, I have friends that I've had for 25, 30 years who are still near and dear to me. And I cherish those people a lot. And to me, that means something to me. And I hope that that says something about my character. It's tough to manage relationships in a way when it takes a lot and people want a lot. And so sometimes I feel like because I wear my heart on my sleeve so often, sometimes people want to share their heart with me. What I haven't mastered is what do I do with all that emotional energy? Right. You know, it is a lot to absorb, but I also have to be mindful of my emotional capacity to ensure that I still have the space and the presence for my own family and for myself. And sometimes it's, I'd say the other challenge and is just figuring out um, at times when to distance or discard. And Mm -hmm. I'm not a big fan of discarding people. We're not trash to be thrown in a garbage can. I don't feel that way. Everybody has value. I don't feel like I'm any more important than anybody else. And sometimes when I see people saying, oh, yeah, you know, this, you know, you've outgrown this person, just cut them off. Or, you know, um, this person isn't good for you. You need to roll with a certain type of person. I'm like, no, I learn from and enriched by so many women from different walks of life. But it's tricky sometimes to figure out, is it just the season is over now? And it just means we're not as close as we used to be. Is it, is there, are we just on different paths on this journey? You know, is it my time to turn left and yours to turn right? Or is it just, we have to have a different kind of relationship. Maybe it was at one point it was mentor and mentee. And now it's maybe, you know, peers, or maybe we're just don't have that dynamic. And so that's really has been quite challenging is for me to really sit and soul search and manage the emotions and really let my spirit guide me in terms of how to manage relationships in a healthy and intentional way. I'm a firm believer in we connect with people for a reason, season, or a lifetime. And I understand, you know, where you say that everyone has value because I definitely believe that every single connection that I've made is a blessing or a lesson. But the whole part about the distance and discard, I feel like especially when you are in a position where you were doing so much work to impact and you were coming in contact with so many people. 
I think a huge thing that I've had to learn is to set boundaries, Mm -hmm. set personal boundaries for myself, because I too have women that will come up to me and immediately tell me everything. My inbox is flooded with women who are sharing personal things that they've never shared with anyone in their family. They're messaging, there's constantly someone reaching out to me. So I have to set boundaries. Okay, I don't have notifications turned on on my phone. I don't have Facebook Messenger on my phone. I need to set boundaries because I too have a lot to deal with. And because my heart is to serve, I want to be able to help. And they say that people only come to you with their problems if they feel that you have a solution. So the discarding part, I don't necessarily believe in discarding people, but because I am so consciously aware of how energy is transferable, mm-hmm. I can't take on yeah. everyone's energy. Yeah. And do you have friendships that I've had with people for over 30 years, but I can't hold on to people if their energy is toxic or too heavy for me because that affects my mental health, that affects my ability to serve, that affects my ability to be a mom, to be a parent, to be a coach. Yeah. And it's a so tough, I, it's a it's tough, tough reality. It is tough. It is, it is definitely tough. Yeah. So my next question to you is what is your self-care routine? How do you take care of Emily? Wild. I thought you said you were coming with a lighter question, McKinney. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm not doing a great job. That's the truth. I know the things that are my, my favorite self-care regimens. I love to walk. I used to walk 10K at least a couple times a week. I love walking. I I find it just clears my mind. I love nature. I love music. I used to dance a lot and travel. I love beaches. I love sunshine. I am a sun seeker. I need that sun kissing my skin. Um, I love, you know, being by the water, especially again, Pisces, you know, you know, and I know the things that I'm not doing enough of not sleeping enough right now. I'm not eating as well as I should. At the same time, I've also realized that there are some people who are routine people, you know, it's like Monday to Friday, I go to the gym for half an hour every day and that's their life. That's generally not been me with anything. I'm not really a set routine, do something every single day. There are some things, but a lot of the things that's just not the way it works. I'm kind of an ebb and flow person. You know my story and tomorrow is not promised. And if you're not taking care of Emily, then you're not going to be able to help take care of anyone else. And I feel like 2020 is so far away, although it's not, but it is. It definitely is. I know that you have a lot coming up and a lot that you're working on. And out of genuine love for you, that is why I want to challenge you to start that self-care now and not later. Thank you. Thank you. And you know what? That's, it's so... As women, we, we, you know, we, we hustle, 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 and we're so proud of what we've done. But I think more of us, myself included, have to be honest about at what cost, mm-hmm. at what cost, you know, what, what does success really look like? And I didn't leave the corporate world so I could see my kids less so that I was more stressed and cranky. So it has been a year where I feel like I've set a great foundation and my homework absolutely is to reset what that looks like. I just want to thank you. I want to thank you for your transparency and your honesty. I want to thank you for being who you are. And I want to thank you for your heart because like you said, you know, we hear a lot of things about women and the cattiness and the backstabbing and blah, blah, blah. But there are genuinely people out there that, just want to be good people that just want to do good things. Not everybody is bad. And sometimes we focus on the bad and I thank you and I love you for focusing on the good. 
Oh, thank you so much. And thank you for allowing me to share a little bit of my story. Thank you for doing this podcast. Thank you for sharing this podcast. Thank you for writing your book. Um, and just, yeah, no, thank you for spreading positivity. We need more of it. And thank you for also giving me a platform to say thank you to all <laughs> of the women who have poured into me. And I hope that they get a chance to hear this. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Thanks. And to all of our, thank you, Emily. (laughs) And to all of our faith walkers out there until next time, subscribe to our newsletter at awalkmystilettos.com and grab one of my personal development books available online everywhere. And if you've received value from today's show, please share it with a friend that needs to hear Emily's testimony. Be sure to screenshot this week's episode and tag us on Instagram. You can tag Emily at how she hustles and you can tag myself at the real Mahini Smith and continue to to walk in greatness in your stilettos in a manner worthy of your calling.